You know, as we go and we're talking, last week we talked about facing the impossible and all the things that we face in our life. We face a lot of impossibilities. That without God in our life, really, truly, uh, we would be sunk. We would be in trouble. And, I, you know, last week we shared a little bit about this book, Sun Stand Still, by, by Stephen Furtick, and, and really sitting down and beginning to look at it and begin to read it, the truth that is in it from the Word of God, using the, the story from Joshua in chapter 10, where, where he just he, he spoke. He was boldly proclaiming that in this moment, God had told me that all of these, enemy would be, these enemies would be annihilated before the day went down and before the war was over. Before they had that moment, they weren't going to get away. Everybody was going to be killed. And then when the times, he looked up at the clock, the watch, and that time it was the sun. And as he looked up at his watch, the sun, he realized that it was going to set before everybody was taken care of. So being in position and being in the place that God called him to be, understanding and knowing the word of God that had been spoken to him, and understanding that the time was drawing to an end. It was drawing to a close, and he may not see the thing that God had promised him and told him in his heart. Not out to be audacious in the fact that he was asking for himself, but in the audaciousness of faith, asking God to hold the sun still so that God could perform the things that he told Joshua he would perform. That in our lives, before we begin to to see the invisible, we have to believe the impossible. We have to believe that God is able. We have to believe that He has spoken to us, that He has showed us. We spent time talking about vision and how important vision is. It says in Proverbs that without a vision, people perish. That in our life, when we left on Sunday, we were, we were God speak to us. Begin to tell us, not just vision for the rest of our life, but vision for tomorrow. What do you have for me in the, in this, in the area of my finances? I face bills that I can't pay. I'm giving like you've told me to give. I'm putting down, I'm bringing my tithe into the storehouse. I'm planting seed, but I'm still facing impossible situations financially. What can I do? God, where, 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 what am I supposed to speak and say? And what am I supposed to get in line with? His word, yes, but what he's speaking to when you write those things down, that's vision. That Joshua had a vision in that instant and in that moment. God had spoke to him and told him that wasn't a whole plan for Joshua's life. That was for a second and for a moment and for a battle that was about to happen. God spoke vision to him. He gave him direction and he heard that. And he began to speak that out of his mouth in that moment. He began to see it happen in his life. That audacious faith is important. That we will never begin to see the impossible, the invisible, until we can see the impossible. It's just true. That's why I think it's important. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Because with your natural eyes, you don't see it. But with your spiritual eyes, you do. And we're going to talk about faith today. We're going to talk a little bit about believing for the impossible. And we may put just a small twist on the faith part because we've heard the message of faith a lot. We understand the message of faith. But I think one thing that's important as we walk through this 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 book, or we walk through this word that God has given us, or we walk through this, this next direction and season for our life, I think what we have to understand and realize is your actions are very important to the perfection of your faith. The things that you're doing, the things that are going on in your life, the way you're living your life are very important. We'll read in James how important they are as it says, faith without works is dead. It's important what you do and where you go. In his book, he shares this, and I didn't talk about it last week, and maybe you picked it up and bought it when we were done. They're $10. They're in the bookstore. You can pick them up when we're finished. But, but it was a book that he had read at one point in his life, and it was, it was about what he calls his, it was a, the book had page 23, and on page 23, he read this thing that changed his life. So he calls it his page 23 vision. You can call it whatever it is. You know what that thing is maybe that God spoke to you that you just can't shake and you just can't get rid of. And he said that the words that were written in this book that he was reading said, I despair at the thought of my life slipping away without seeing God show himself mightily on my behalf. 
that somehow we would get to the end of our life and maybe we would amass things and maybe we would have stuff and maybe we would, we would get past survival and we would actually thrive. Last week we said he didn't put you on this earth to survive. You put us in this earth to, to thrive. That somehow maybe we get to the end and we've been thriving. But if God hasn't, we haven't had to have God show himself great on our behalf, then how much have we done? At the end of our life, if we can look back and say, I accomplished all these things, then really truly we have sold ourselves short and we have sold our God short. Because the vision that he gives you, the things that he shares with you, the things that he talks with you, 20-year vision, 10-year vision, 5-year vision, 5-day vision, really, truly is beyond you. How many of you know financially in your life, 10% would be great to have back into your finances in our own mind? To say, okay, God, you know, I don't need to tithe. I'm just going to use this for whatever it is. But God says, bring that to him. And how many of us know that's faith? And not just faith in saying that I believe it. It's faith in knowing that I believe it because I'm actually doing it. See, there's, there's something about the doing. And today I just want to share just a little bit as we go on about the doing. That really truly in, in our lives, and this happened to Joshua and this was true, where he was in that particular place in his life in Joshua chapter 10, he was positioned to believe. That in our lives, you can't discount your place. Where God puts you is important. And if you get out of place, this isn't going to sit great, okay? But if you get out of place, you could be in great trouble because God's power for your life is in your place. And if we will get out of place, we will find ourselves discouraged. We will find ourselves disappointed. The place isn't always peachy king. Okay? Now... God's blessing is, God's goodness is, and you'll find out in time that, boy, how many of you know the sacrifice of what you went through yesterday was worth it for what you received today? But in that place, in that time, you weren't necessarily doing cartwheels and shaking your pom-poms. You were saying, come on, God, for real? Come on, God, I got to do what? Come on, God, for real? I mean, really, truly? Think about it. This is a young man, Joshua who we read a story about him telling the son to stand still and asking, how does he dare ask God for the impossible, that we in our life want to be that same kind of thing. But he wandered in the desert when he was right for 40 years. That's staying in place. He was known more more as Moses' assistant than he was known as Joshua the great leader. See, for all of those years, he was Moses' assistant. For all of those years, he was his tag-along. For all of those years, he was the person standing outside the tent. But he didn't leave his position. He could have said, you know what? Me and Caleb were the only ones who said go in, so we're going in. All y'all. Back. You know, I mean, he could have been doing all, you know, that's what, <laughs> that's what Carter does all the time. Bam, we say, Ugh. you know, he does that kind of thing. They could, have, they could have just looked at the children of Israel and said, boy, y'all, dang, and just went on in. But see, he would have been abdicating his place. But he could have, because who, who was right? When all, the spies, when all the spies got to that moment, who was right? He was. Who said the right thing? He did. See, many times in the body of Christ, we think we're right. We know God said that. We know what he promised us, and we know what he told us. We've been speaking what he said, and we're right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go make it right. Careful, because there's power in your place. And Joshua, in that moment, decided, you know what? 
I'm going to trust God for these next 40 years while all these people perish. And then there came a day in Joshua in chapter 1 when you open up that book and you begin to read those scriptures and he says, hey, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get up. Thanks for staying in place. See, he couldn't have been there to tell the sun to stand still if he would have gotten anxious 40 years earlier and done something stupid. Now, can God turn all that around? Yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But, but just think for a minute. If he got all cantankerous and he got all upset, see, that gets you in the flesh, that gets you out of the spirit, it makes you an enemy against, against the things that God wants to do in your life. You actually join sides with the enemy. And think about it for a moment. What if something happened to him in those moments where he decided, you know what, Caleb and I are right, and we're going to go on our own. And they took their little swords and went out into the promised land and said, we're going to the promised land because God said Outside of the authority, outside of the leading of the Lord, outside of the direction of the leader, all of those things. Because he was what? He was right. But he could get out of place, and then how many of you think he would actually have succeeded? See, would he even have made it to the point where he could have told the sun to stand still? In our lives, we can't, we can't afford to get ourselves out of place. Staying in place proves your faith. Doesn't mean you go sit under a tree somewhere and just wait for God to show up. There's stuff to do in your place. Moses Moses was was leading and guiding and instructing and teaching Joshua to be a great leader while he was in his place. Just because you know something doesn't mean it's time for something. See, and in this moment and in this time, Joshua had to make a decision and he made a good decision. He decided that really truly he would put action to his faith. See, he needs me to hold him. The baby whisperer. Daniel, Daniel, easy. Come on, brother, stay with me. We're pals in this. You'll never follow through and you'll never see the end if you don't stay in place. And Joshua decided, really, truly, to stay in place. And that was a battle. That was a fight. And, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, in your world, where you are, it's going to be a battle. It's, it, it probably already has been a battle. You, you, I don't have to go tell you, hey, hey, listen to God and know what he's telling you to do. Ninety percent of you, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know. It's just you're just having to make that decision all the time of will you stay in place. We get antsy. We get upset. Think, time starts to look like it's slipping by. Well, if, it's, if it is your time, God will allow you to come to a point in your life where you can speak to the sun and it will stand still. And then you'll be able to... You're going to see all the things God promised you. I'm sure there was a time where God had to sit Joshua and say, Come on, buddy, you're going to see it all. It's all right, man. Come on. Don't give up. It doesn't say that in, in, in Deuteronomy as you go through and head into Joshua. It didn't say that he needed encouragement where he was. But how many of you know when you're in place and it doesn't look like things are going to happen, thank God for his encouragement. Thank God for him pouring things out in our life. But Joshua knew the truth. He knew what the word of God was. And for us, we have to realize that faith comes by hearing, Romans ten seventeen and hearing the word of God. That we have to hear the word. But then also in that, it's not just hearing, it's also speaking. Because hearing initiates faith in your heart. S- speaking it out of your mouth activates it in your life. But what we have to get in our world is that doing it 
demonstrates faith. Not just initiates, not just activates, but doing the word of God, living it in your life, actually demonstrates the fact that you have faith. And this is tough for us to understand, and many times it's tough for us to believe because we want to, be, we want to say that we'll meditate it or think it or hear the Word of God. We want it to be true. We'll speak the Word of God, but when it comes to staying in place or when it comes to acting on the Word or when it comes to doing something that's difficult like moving to Cincinnati with your three young kids, when it comes to those moments and those places, I'm telling you, it's the doing part that says you really truly believe. The word faith just means believe. And the word believe means to trust in, to have confidence in. It's a personal trust that you have that produces obedience in your life. Joshua had faith that God was who he said he was. He had faith. How do you know? Because he stayed in place. And he was in the right place at the right time. He didn't move. He lived the word of God in his life. Joshua Joshua believed God and he became obedient. In our life, do we believe God to the point of obedience? See, in Joshua 1.7, God was speaking to, to, to Joshua. And he told him, don't look to the left and don't look to the right. She's going to put that up here and we can read that scripture. In Joshua 1.7, he was speaking to him and said, hey, hey, you've got to pay attention to what? The word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. He tells him in that particular passage, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Stay true to the word of God. Be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which my, my servant Moses, that I commanded my servant Moses. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Pay attention to your place and stay on your line. Stay focused on the word. That we live the word of God. I think too many times we get a little antsy. Too, too many times we think we got it figured out. We know we're right and so off we go. Don't try to make your own way. God is the one who makes your way. He is the one who opens the door. And if we're going to believe for the impossible, we better position ourselves in the place that God has for us. Because in that place is where His power is. In that moment and in that place is where it was time for Him to speak to the Son and for it to stand still. For God to do the impossible in that moment so that He could see those things come to pass that God promised and told Him. Thank God He hung out. Thank God He stayed in place. Now I will tell you this, as we do this, it requires sacrifice. Those of you who've been staying in place, have been following God, have been doing things, you understand. There could have been easier things. There might have been an easier way. There could have been times where you could have shortcut something. Or maybe there was, there was this minute where you were deciding, you know what? I know I'm supposed to stay in this place. I know I'm supposed to be doing this. I know God has this for me. But boy, it would make it so much easier if I just go there. Or you know what? I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of sack. I'm just going to go over and this is going to be easier for me. No, it won't. You'll hijack your anointing. You'll hijack your dream. You'll abort your vision as you go to these different places. Stay in place where God has you and trust because in that place is the power to have the sun stand still. See, we're going to talk about that prayer next. We're going to talk about that next week, the the power of prayer as we begin to pray for the impossible in our life. But I am telling you, if you're out of position and you're out of place, you're not in that spot where God has for you to be following the vision that he's given you in your life, then when you you can say all you want, See, we can, we can speak the word, memorize the word, we can quote it, we can shoot it out there, we can write it down, put it all over our house. But if you don't live the word in your life, it's fruitless. Amen. Woo. Yeah. Ain't going to get very many of those, but I'm telling you what, that's true. Because it says, faith without what? Works is what? Dead. You got to live it, folks. 
You've got to live it. You've got to live the word in your life. And it takes sacrifice. In, in Joshua chapter 5. Now don't worry. This isn't going to happen to us physically. In verse 2 it says, the Lord speaking. And the Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. Sweet mother. Doesn't say he said that, but I would have. Just think about that. We live in a world where we take care of that when we're babies with anesthesia and all kinds of great things, and I'm not trying to make light of the physicalness, but you don't want to do that to a bunch of 35, 40, 25-year-old fighting men. Fellas, come here a minute. Let me tell you something. Light up. It's mortifying enough when they do that kind of stuff at school, like, you know, gym class and everything else. Think about it. Come on, fellas. Come on. Take down your robe there. Let me, uh, I've got something I've got I to do. So say, what? But that was, that was part of the sign of the covenant in those days and in that place. And for 40 years, that hadn't been practiced. And the people who practiced it had died. And so before they moved over, before they crossed over, there was a cutting away. And there's always a cutting away in your life or in your heart before you go forward and cross over with him. See, before they went across that river, there was a cutting away of that flesh. Now, in our lives, I'm telling you, we're not going to have that going on this week here. We're not going to call everybody in and, you know, I mean, it's not going on. But it does say in Romans, (laughs) Dan squirming. There's no way to get around it. I mean, it's the word. So I saw, I mean, you know. Seeing the impossible comes at a cost. If you read this in the Message Bible, in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, Paul is sharing with us about the importance, really, truly, of us circumcising the heart. Do you have that, Caitlin? In the Message Bible, in Romans chapter chapter 5, or sorry, Romans chapter 2, it's verses 25 through 29. You can look up in, in your Bible, but she'll put that on the screen here. Hopefully quickly. There we go. Circumcision, the the surgical ritual that marks you as a Jew, is great if you live in accord with God's law. But if you don't, it's worse than not being circumcised. Now, in the days, that that never mind, we'll go on. Maybe. The reverse is also true. The uncircumcised who keep God's ways are as good as the circumcised. And what we're talking about here is not the ritual of circumcision, but the circumcision of the heart that is we enter. See, we're not the Jews, we're the Gentiles. We're the ones who who really, truly weren't in that moment the, the children of God. But now we are. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. And since we have that blood of Christ, we're going to enter into, as we move forward in Him in faith, a circumcision of the heart. A changing of who we are on the inside, not a changing of who we are on the outside. It goes on and says, in fact, better, better to keep God's law uncircumcised than to break it circumcised. That it's not in the act and the ritual of circumcision, but it is in the laying down and the cutting away of the junk in your life and in your heart to follow after what God has for you. Now, this is part of that obedience factor that says, I'm going to live the word. You can say you believe the word. You can speak it all day long. You can memorize it. But until you determine in your heart to truly live it in your life, then your heart hasn't been to a place where God has circumcised it. 
Because it's in the living that's the proving and the demonstration of your faith. I want you to say the right thing all the time. And I believe that that's important. But I am telling you what. We have got to live the word with speaking the word. You hear the word, it initiates faith. You speak the word, it activates faith. You demonstrate the word by doing it. It goes on and it says in the next verse as we, as we finish. Verse 28. Don't you see it's not the cut of a knife that makes a Jew. In verse 29 is the end and this is the part. It says you become a Jew by who you are. It's the mark of God on your heart, not of a knife on your skin that makes a Jew. And recognition comes from God, not legalistic critics. That in our life, see, in our lives as believers, we have, there's a growing up. There's a maturing in Christ. There's a, there's a saying, I have the vision, sure. There's a speaking that vision into existence, sure. But there is, sure enough, a living of the word in the process of the vision being fulfilled. And if we can't stay in place and live the word while the vision is being borne out in our life, then we're never going to see the payoff of the promise. That's true. So last week we're encouraged, we're excited, we're believing God for the impossible. The sun will stand still. Write your vision, get it on tablets so that you may run with it as you see it. But then that verse goes on and it says, wait. (laughs) What do I do while I wait? Stay in place. Keep speaking, keep living, but live the word. Do what God tells you to do. Well, I haven't seen this happen, so there must not be anything for me to do. I'm going to go center the tree. Don't go center the tree. When you have divine vision in your life, it create, when you have divine vision, see, God gives you vision. He puts something in your heart. That creates division in your life. People don't like that. You don't like it sometimes. Not because we don't like the vision, but because what, what the cost might be in that vision. What it means to me really truly in my life. Not what it's going to be or what it might be someday, but what it means to me in my life. There's cost with living vision. There's cost with going after what God has for you. There is a cost. People won't like it. They begin to ridicule. They talk to Joseph about cost. Talk about, you know, standing up and speaking that you have a dream and you have vision. Look what he went through all of those years before he ever saw the fulfillment of it. We talked about a little bit of it last week. But he didn't lose place. He didn't get out of place. When, when, when Pharaoh's wife came after him and then falsely accused him of rape, he didn't say, bump that, I'm out of here. I'm sure there was a moment in time because she ran out of the house before the master came home that maybe he could have just hightailed it out of there and said, you know what, I'm done with y'all. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I don't know where this guy came from, but he's here today. So whoever this guy is, he's with us. I'm feeling it. But he didn't. He stayed in place. And he ended up where? In prison. But because he stayed in place, he saw the power of God in his life as the payoff came near in the end. He didn't jump ship. He didn't run off. I want to encourage you. In a couple weeks, I said this. A couple weeks ago, I I said, you know, in this church, we're really believing for growth. We're believing for what's happening in in the next level and 500 people and 1,000 people. And I just encourage you. And I said, I'm telling you, God's put in my heart a while back and Pastor Pam's heart too a couple years ago. But we're going to go to three services here. Immediately, you start thinking about circumcision. That's not going to work for me. See, immediately we begin to think of all the ways that ain't going to flow, that ain't going to happen. 
I thought about all of them, don't worry. But I've got to put those aside. Let me tell you, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to roll, and it's going to be good. But there will be sacrifice. There will be cutting away as we move over and cross into the next thing that God has for us. That's change. That's big change. That's big change. And we're already seeing it. We're already seeing it happen. I mean, second service, a lot of you are here from second service because you probably couldn't find a seat second service. Poor second service people, they come looking for their seat. They can't sit there. So they came first service trying to get their seat. They can't sit there either. There are going to be times where you've got to sit someplace else. I mean, you got folks sitting in new seats all over the place. The sick freaks are down here. I've, now that freak, no, that, I am telling you, nobody wants you to sit in your place more than me. I just, the pulpit thing has got to be right. I mean, I, that's just who I, I am. I mean, when you guys sit in the wrong seats, man, that, that puts me over the edge. I'll get over it. When you come at 9 and you're an 11 o'clock person, I can barely talk. I mean, when I look up and see the sick freaks sitting in, it freaks me out. I remember when Crystal first started dating Pete, she sat over there one day and I was doing the offering and I turned around and saw her and I literally stopped talking. (laughs) Supposed to sit over there. And you're with a boy. It freaks me out. I like things in their place. (laughs) So this is going to test me as well. I'm telling you this. You come second service, those seats back there by the sound booth, those are for babies. Mamas with babies, don't sit there. And if the girls ask you to move, be pleasant, be smiling and say, praise God, we got more mamas than we can shake a stick at. I love to give up my seat against the wall. This is the way it's going to be. And we're going to take the next bunch of weeks and we're going to start pouring out a plan and start pouring out a vision for how this is going to work and how it's going to happen. Don't ask me after the service. (laughs) Don't call me this afternoon. Don't send me emails all week. Come Wednesday, I'll tell you this, come Wednesday night and I'll begin to pour out the plan and how you can be a part, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, how you can be a part of what God's about to do in this place. I'm telling you, it's exciting. I'm both pumped up and scared to death (laughs) that we actually might see all the things that for 22 years we thought we would see. It's like lightning. But I'm telling you what, we haven't got out of place here. We just stayed in place and kept plugging away, dealing with all you folks. (laughs) When it wasn't pretty and it wasn't great, listening to all your problems. (laughs) Why? Because there'll come a day where we all got to say, stand still, God, so we can accomplish what you called us to accomplish. It's good stuff. Come Wednesday night, we'll talk about it a little bit. I just want to tell you real quickly as we finish up here. That there's a process from promise to payoff. Don't lose your place in the process. Joseph didn't give up. Nelson Mandela For 27 years, for longer than that, he was persecuted his whole life. But for 27 years, he sat in prison. He sat in prison for 27 years because he believed something that the government didn't believe. He believed something that that many people in his country didn't agree with. He was basically considered the enemy. But how many of us know that's not not true? That's not what happened. That wasn't the way it was. He wasn't the enemy. He 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 had a vision. 
He had a dream on the inside of him. Much like in our country with Martin Luther King Jr. and the way that all went down here. But, it, but in, in South Africa, he had a dream. But 27 years later, there came a day. One day with Joseph in, in, in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. It is time for you to get up. And now you need to go forward and do what I called you to do to go into the promised land. Not to fulfill a vision that I just gave you, but to fulfill a vision that I gave you and gave your father and gave your father's father spiritually. As I, but didn't he always say, as I spoke to Abraham, as I spoke to Moses, as I poured out the promise, I haven't stopped pouring out my promise from that day to today. And there came a day where he came out of that prison and his country was ready for radical change. And the vision and the ideas that had been born and instilled on the inside of him, I believe, by God. And had been cultivated through the process. See, nothing can, nothing can cultivate the dream and the vision in your life like the process from promise to payoff if you won't leave your place. Don't leave your place because there came a day and all of a sudden not only did apartheid die, but he became the president of that country. Somebody said, well, that's an overnight success. Well, that was a long 27-year night. (laughs) But the key is make it look like an overnight success because you can't do that, God can. And if He's in it, He'll do it. There's power in your place. Real quickly. 1 Kings chapter 19. Because you may be thinking, man, nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows where I am. It's a lie. God knows who you are and He knows exactly where you are. Elijah was headed toward the end of his days. And God spoke to him and said, you're headed toward the end of your days. I need you to go and I need you to anoint your successor. The one who's going to come after you, you're going to be the one. And it says in verse 15 of 19, chapter 19, 1 Kings, verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you arrive anoint Haziel as the king over Syria and you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel and Elisha the son of Shaphat as you're going to anoint him to be the prophet in your place but where was that in the wilderness he didn't say go hunt him down he said go to the wilderness and you're going to anoint this kid Elisha That he's going to come after you. And it goes on in verse 19 and it says, So he departed from there and he found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was plying with the twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the twelve. Just like Gideon, he was the last guy in the line plowing the field. I'm sure just thinking, man, God, life just got to be better than this. Don't get out of place. Don't decide, I'm done with these oxen. I'm done with this job. This is stupid. Where's God in all this? He didn't do that. He plowed. And while he was plowing, Elijah came by with his mat and just went, punk. Just took his mat, walked by, and casually just went, punk. And suddenly, he was excited he was in his place. 
He grabbed a hold of that thing. He came to Elijah. He said, let me go home and tell my mom. Let me go home and tell my mom. And he said, okay, you go home. You go tell him. And man, he didn't even, at that point, he knew he was never going to plow again. He cut the oxen in half. I'm done with this, yo. He went home and he had a feast with his family and these oxen. And then it said, after he, after he did that, he arose and he turned and he followed Elijah and he never left him until Elijah was taken away. He said he was with him. Don't leave your place. God's about to hit you in the head with a mantle. And he saw all of these things. And what was impressed upon Elisha more than what people recognize and understand and know is the fact that he wasn't looking to be some big shot himself. He was just looking to fill the shoes of this guy, Elijah, and just try to carry on in the best way he could. He didn't ask him for that double portion because he wanted to be bigger than Elijah. He asked him for that double portion because he said, Oh God, can I even come close to being like Elijah? If I'm going to fulfill what you call me to do, God, I need double what you've given this guy in my life. And Elijah, he wasn't somebody that was fun to work with. Elisha followed him for 10 years. He even at the end started to antagonize him saying, you stay here, I'm going to go over here. Began to challenge him. You stay in this place, I'm going to go to Judah. You stay in this place, I'm going to go here. And each time, Elisha said, you ain't getting rid of me. I'm going to be there. I'm not missing what's mine. I'm not getting out of what? Place. You would think after those years of following him, he would have said, yeah, 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 let me know when you get back. I'm taking me a break. See, we go to three services. That's going to mean some of y'all is going to have to hold babies. Some of y'all are going to have to be ushers. In the second service, not the first service. Boy, don't fit me. Well, I can circumcise you. Jack's got 42 knives, my nephew. We'll just go at it, whatever, in the parking lot. Okay. But he said, he did not leave his place. He stayed with Elijah. And in the end, Elijah said, since you have stayed with me, what is it that you want? And he said, I want a double portion. And he gave it to him. And you know what he did? He turned around. And he took that man and he walked back to the same water. There's a cutting away of who you are. And in the process, Elisha stayed in place to plow that field. That showed faith. That showed trust because he was living what he didn't probably want to. How many of you want to go out and just plow the field? But he was plowing the field because that was his position. That was his place. And in that moment, Elijah, Elijah came by and tapped him with his mantle. And now his place changed at that point to follow Elisha. And he stayed in that place. Even when Elijah tried to push him away and tried to tell him it wasn't going to happen. And tried to tell him that it wasn't going to. You just go, go away, go away, go away. I am not going away. You are not going away. You have stayed in place for a reason. To see the hand of God move on your life. To see the things that He put in your heart. That vision fulfilled. Not for you to be somebody, but for God to be somebody in you. Don't leave your place. Like Elizabeth said, He said, I ain't coming down off the wall. He said, I'm not coming down. Sandballot said, come to my house, we'll have a party. Now I've jumped stories on you. 
He said, come on, come on down off that wall. Come to my house. We'll have a little party. And he said, I'm not coming down. Why? Because the time's important. I got to get this job done. I'm not going to leave my place. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.